and welcome to another amazing Retroween 2019 episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier, here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. And this episode, we're going to look at Medieval for the Sony PlayStation uh, mm-hmm. in our Halloween coverage for October. But before we dive into that, Billy, what have you been playing since our I've last been, episode? Well, you know, I've been playing a little bit here and there. I've had myself not as much free time as I'd like. They've been had the audacity to be working me at the job, but uh, that's all right. I I picked up. I said I wasn't going to do it. I mean, I was at some point in time, but not this soon. I picked up that Borderlands three and. It's Borderlands. Uh, that's that's the entirety of the review for it. You know, if you liked it, you're going to love it. If you don't like Borderlands, you're going to hate this one. But yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. I don't know how far along I am in it. I'd like to say maybe the halfway point. Uh, so far, so good. I'm shooting things and, you know, doing fetch quests and all kinds of stuff that you would expect. But in keeping with the time of year, I was going to try. Uh, I was going to try a horror game out, and uh, of course, we're reviewing some some older ones here. I was wanting to try a, a new offering, and you know, just happened, just so happened on Game Pass on the Xbox, uh, that new Blair Witch popped up on there. And I, Blair Witch is a lot like Star Wars to me. Uh, I I like the series, but I hardly like any of the installments or anything like that. Like, I go back to Star Wars, I like two of them. But, you know, Blair Witch, I didn't like the first one that much. I like the second one. Just, it's a classic shit film, if you want to watch one. Um, And I didn't like that remake they put out. And the video games, uh, there was an old PC game they put out for it. And it was atrocious. Uh, So, But I had hopes for this one. And it looked good. And, you know, I was a little worried at first because there's a dog companion that comes along with you and and it's one of those things where you have a companion where you have to bring up a a wheel on there with with different commands and all that and i usually am not a fan of that i will say that it was it was pretty painless just in the fact that you don't have to interact too much uh and i was hopeful and i ended up playing through the game and that's not a testament how good it is that's a testament to the fact that it was like five hours long and it's bad it's it's just rough and and I wish I could say better because it starts off really strong. Like the first 30 minutes, it does a great job of kind of kind of building up the, the atmosphere around you and and kind of the tension as to as to what's just going on. But it, it really falls apart at the end. And and I can't recommend it. And it's it's buggy as I'll get out. There are four different occasions why I got stuck. And couldn't move, couldn't get out of where I was. And of course, you know, the it saves fairly often, but it always seems like when you get stuck it is when you haven't saved in forever. So there were several times I had to backtrack, uh, but I powered through it. Um, I will say I was disappointed that it is not an open world game, really, which is, is kind of what I thought it was, is you just are you're free to explore uh, the woods in general. Instead, it's one of those things that it's, it kind of gives off the impression of it, but at heart, it's still pretty linear as far as kind of directing you which way to go and, and conveniently blocking out other areas. Uh, so yeah, that was my attempt at playing a new one this year. I, I don't think I'll be chancing a, another new game of that sort. Borderlands is a, the kind of series that I always want to get into. And I try every one of them and I'm like, yeah, I'll get back to this. And I never do. So <laughs> not too surprised that, that i did not pick up borderlands 3 i i would not expect the blair witch game to be good but it's one that i would you know if i had access to it i'd probably try it mm-hmm. I, I never learn but I, i'm not surprised not good i think the movies were you know, at least the first movie was was cool one time and then never again so i mm-hmm. i can kind of see how the game may not be that good i uh you know we uh have been covering extra games for the bonus shows we're doing that role-playing game show of going through the fantasy star series and work has picked up as well so i have not played much at all other than the games we're talking about on the show and Monster Hunter, which no one wants to hear about. But I oh, did boy. get the Untitled Goose game. Uh, because, oh. because what I like is games that, that look like they're appropriate for kids, uh, and really they're just very frustrating for kids, but I can play it around them and they think it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And it's perfect. If you've not played the Untitled Goose game, uh, the plot of the Untitled Goose game is you're a goose and you're an asshole. 
So your whole job is to ruin people's days by like running up and stealing their keys or chasing people around, uh, moving items so that they don't know what's going on in their lives to, to eventually open up larger and larger parts of the map where you can be a dick somewhere else. I love it. It's, it's the perfect kind of game for me. It looks like it's pretty short. I'm not very, very far in it, or maybe I'm super far and it's even shorter than I think. Mm. But, uh, but it's a fun, it's a fun break from what I'd normally be playing. Uh, mm-hmm. And there are no monsters in it, which is kind of nice. It, it turns out it's it's the most accurate simulation that's ever been made. <laughs> it really is. The, the The parts where you just chase people around by honking at them nonstop is pretty accurate mm. because geese are dicks. So it, but no, it actually. I mean, it animate. It's animated really well. It plays really well. The 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 puzzle solving to figure out how to get some of the objectives you have. Uh, you have like a little objective notebook that'll. They're pretty clear on some of them, but other times you're not quite sure. Like, how am I supposed to get this guy to change his hat? And and the answer is to either steal his hat and throw it in the lake, or or sometimes you can <laughs> you can get him to to get his hat wet in the in the sprinkler. And you might change it that way. So there's all these little little ways this game is a, a pretty involved puzzle game. Uh, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I get to to be a giant jerk and get points for it. So it's it's worked out really well for me. And it's the kind of game you can play for ten minutes and put down. So that's fit perfectly with everything else I've had going on. But Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last episode? Episode. uh this little game called uh fire emblem um, oh yeah yep heard of that one perhaps you've heard of it um mm. a few weeks ago i finally got past that that halfway point uh there you know you, you're I, if you followed this game at all then you generally know what happens i'm not going to spoil anything but let's just say the game changes sort of at the halfway point it, it looks like it's going to change and then it really hasn't changed that much. it really bugged me about <laughs> i was like at first i was like oh my god this is going to be the most amazing halfway game point since like final fantasy 6 and, and it's, the way it starts off doing that is like it's like holy shit this is amazing and then it just goes right back into the old like no time spent whatsoever of just going right back into the of how things were done before except there's fewer people now to talk to i guess i think that's the the biggest plus uh, of going into that that next half of the game is i i don't have to talk to as many people as i did mm. before when i do my rounds at the castle um still not giving away too much of that i'm still really really enjoying that game a lot uh, but that really kind of bugged me that that halfway point transition it got me it got me good and then it just let me down as far as just like nothing, nothing really changed. Nothing really, a little things here, here and there, but but generally nothing changed. And I, I, that disappointed me. Uh, I would like to give a, a quick shout out to a couple of Apple Arcade games oh. that, I know, that I know no one wants to hear about, but I'm going to talk about them because I think they're awesome. I'm going to tell you that damn Apple Arcade is the gift that keeps on giving. It is, and uh, these two, uh, I, I these are the two I'm going to mention. I've got several others that I'm not. Uh, just because I don't think I think everyone would just turn the podcast off because they just want to talk about this shit. Um, first one is Bleak Sword. Sword. Oh man! If uh, so good. If, if you would have told me that they would somehow manage to replicate uh, the um, Dark Souls experience uh, with with just your thumb swiping mm-hmm. across the screen, I would have not believed you. Uh, especially in w- doing so with like Amiga graphics. Mm-hmm. And it just it, it's it's really hard to describe how this game looks. It's like one screen on your phone, but it's kind of got and it looks exactly like graphics from the Amiga. Mm-hmm. Like your guy totally looks almost like the little running guy from Amiga. And it's it's very because of the the levels are almost it, it's very reminiscent. I think of like a board game. Like yeah. you're put on like a little board for your level. Yes, yeah, it totally looks like if you took like a board game and just kind of tilted it backwards a little bit, mm-hmm. and everything is just kind of made out of just paper pixels or something mm-hmm. and you get to you know you're running around with your little guy and you can dodge you can attack you can power up your sword um and it, it's it's so well done uh, mm-hmm. that it, it's actually really addicting and it's actually really challenging because you know it, just like dark souls if you mm-hmm. you know if you uh die or something you lose all your experience that you've earned up and you have to go back and, and beat the level without dying again or you lose everything including all of like the equipment that you get um got stuff like that the other one yeah. um that i want to talk about real quick is pinball wizard oh. which is the best pinball game since uh sonic spinball and uh it, it's really just kind of a you're, you play as a a little sorceress i guess wizard mm-hmm. and that is the the thing you're knocking around the level is this little wizard uh girl and uh you, you have to kill enemies and to find the key to open the door so far it's it's not as crazy as something as sonic spinball 
but it's still just so much fun to pull out and, and play a few times. It's almost like, uh, uh, God, why did I just forget that name? Rogue, rogue, what do you, roguelike? Rogue, uh, roguelite? Yes. Roguelike. God yeah. damn it. Oh, yeah, it's it, it is because yeah. it's it's the same thing uh you die and what like every six levels or so you kind of get a checkpoint uh yeah. and and but but you still earn and that's one of the awesome things about it is that there's a very deep system of like perks and and upgrades uh that you can spend your your coins on so depending on really the way you want to play yeah, it starts off very basic. You know, it starts off literally like a pinball game where you're just all you can do is, you know, knock this little, little girl around the, the pinball uh, thing. And but uh, the more you play and the more experience you earn, the more powers you can actually gain, like uh, being able to stop time and do the whole Matrix thing of, mm-hmm. of uh, you know, little arrows going around your character. When you let go, she'll just shoot off in that direction. Um, and that's super easy to, like, kill enemies with and. uh you know, there's there's just a ton of stuff that it's giving you over the course of going up this tower, which I think is like five or six floors or something like that. Uh, I'm still in the second floor and just having a lot of fun, just just popping into that and, and playing a round of it and seeing what I can get out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just an awesome little game. And so many so many of those in Apple Arcade, just awesome, awesome little time wasters that, that I'm having a ton of fun with. Well, you mentioned that that, uh, that pinball game, you die a lot. Here's a game we're going to talk about where you're dead literally the entire time. Medieval for the Sony PlayStation. Segway King. I know. I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> it's all I got going for me. Uh, this was one of those, that, of, of course. Uh, this was one of those, if, I mean, come on. Looks alone. You're going to pick this one up at the video store if you encounter it. And, and I sure know I did. Uh, this is one I picked up and loved at the time when I played it. Um, you know, I was was I did not immediately adopt the PlayStation. So this was this. Was was an early PlayStation title that I played for for myself personally, um, but yeah, I, it's one of those I've always had very fond memories of, and and it's back in the spotlight now. You know, I mean, with the big fucking uh, remake coming around. Uh, yeah, and I, I grabbed it immediately when I saw it at the store. It got hyped up pretty pretty decently in magazines before it came out, um, and, and I remember liking it a lot. And I was actually kind of worried to do it for this this show. Because like most PlayStation games back then, mm. going going back to it now is a completely different experience from what I remember playing. Yeah. PlayStation is one of the rougher systems to, to look back on. It's a lot of those games have actually been ruined <laughs> by going back to them and just playing them these days from how such great memories of playing them back then. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, either by emulator or by just buying them again to play on the PlayStation. And you just sit there and you wonder what in the world was I doing back then to find <laughs> like either things have have advanced that much or I just had no idea what fun was and i was just trying to flip my way through espn extreme or whatever we were were simpler people back then apparently well the 3d on the playstation i think we've complained about it before really has not aged well uh the 3d and and just the very next generation still holds up pretty well ps2 xbox that stuff looks all right even there's there's a handful of things on the playstation that still look good but there's a lot a lot that look real real bad Uh, and i was worried (laughs) this would be kind of the same especially like the you turn this on and there's there's some kind of neat intro stuff that shows up, but even that is kind of grainy and scary looking where mm-hmm. you're like, oh no, this may this may not go well at all. Uh, this is available uh, only really if you have a PS3. I think it might also be on PSP uh, if you still have one of those and download it beforehand. You can get it that way. Otherwise, this has not been available on the PlayStation Classic. It's not something that's been available again on the Vita or uh, I don't think they have many PS1 games on the PS4. Either way, the only way to get this right now is on a PS3 for me, and I have the disc someplace uh, for the original PlayStation, because I did buy it when it was out. I think this is the first time we all are talking about a game we played when it was new, and we all remember liking, which is scary. 
It's a very yeah. yeah, I don't think that's, that's happened too often. Uh, but yeah, I, I I just remember as a kid, you know, when or when this came around, I guess I would have been in my early teens. I uh, just just loving this thing. I mean, it was it was a fun game with a yeah. I mean, it, it's certainly, I guess, a spooky aesthetic to it. Uh, perfect for the time of year. So I mean, of course, there was there was nothing to this that I was going to dislike then. And anything that has this this Halloween aesthetic to mm-hmm. it uh, is is going to instantly draw me in, uh, and, and it did. It definitely did back then, and it, it's still. I think as far as the, like the overall design and, and aesthetic and characters and stuff like that, I I, I think it still holds up. It, it mm-hmm. looks rough as hell now, but I think <laughs> I think overall, just the overall uh, aesthetic of it is is really fun. Well, it's definitely Halloweeny. I mean, there's the, the first level's in a graveyard. You're a you're a skeleton with a sword. Uh, there's pumpkins and go- ghosts and everything everywhere. I mean, this is this is a pretty solid Halloween selection. Um, mm-hmm. Just to go back one second to the fact that it's a PlayStation 3D game, you know, there's maybe everyone's forgotten a lot of these characters because they're all very forgettable. But there was a huge push for to have a, a you know a Sony 3D mascot. Maybe it's not Sony's. Technically, I mean, Crash Bandicoot was one they put out, but the Sony internal didn't create that. And uh, there were plenty of other 3D offerings from previous characters that we've made fun of in the past. Bubsy 3D and Earthworm Jim 3D were terrible. But even the the in-house Sony character attempts, like Blasto, Blasto is totally forgettable. But it was another attempt to make this 3D action hero. And this game came out, and it, I mean, I remember getting a little bit of push, but not nearly the amount as, as something like Blasto got. I remember Blasto got like months of coverage, and then it came out and it was just awful. This this was a fun, solid 3D platformer. It, it did have some jumping, which is one of the things I'll complain about later, uh, but it's generally like just kind of a a sloppy action game that's super, super fun, <laughs> and, and I really enjoyed this character a lot. It has a lot of, he has a lot of character. Your character is Sir Daniel Fortescue. Uh, 100 years ago, you uh, are the hero of a battle in which you, you apparently charged headlong into an evil sorcerer Xerox army to save the day. Uh, there is some question of whether or not you honestly deserve that <laughs> legacy. Uh, but 100 years later, the sorcerers come back and he casts a spell to bring all the undead to life to help, you know, help him take over the kingdom again. Uh, unfortunately for him, that includes you. You wake back mm-hmm. up and uh, unlike the rest of the undead, you've decided your goal is to continue to stop the evil sorcerer. So you go out on your way, breaking out of your crypt and going through a graveyard to, to figure out how to get to the sorcerer and stop him again with a little help from some talking gargoyles along the way, along with some other ghosts that will help you if you do certain things for them. It is on paper, this game doesn't have too many things I think that are noteworthy as far as like they didn't add a lot to this genre other than that it's a it's a likable character and and there is a wide a wider variety of of you know, weapons and things than just having one weapon that upgrades over and over again but mm-hmm. but there's nothing this game does that I would say like this is the first game that did blank you know it's just it's just a good solid example of what a 3d action platformer can be on the PlayStation I mean again. I'm very excited about this remake that's coming out. I've seen a little bit of footage of it. It does look like it solves some of the, I don't want to say problems, but some of the eccentricities that this game still has. But uh, mm. but this still, despite that it's on PlayStation and it's one of their 3D games and it does try to do a lot and it does kind of look ugly, still holds up in 2019, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a little twitchy. And it's just, I mean, it's one of those games. It is very much a PlayStation game and you can tell it the instant you start playing it. Uh, it, It's, you know, I think it controls pretty well still uh, besides when it wants to make you like make precise jumps, Um, which Mm. thankfully isn't too much in the, in the game, but there are definitely sections where you do have to do that. And that's when it just takes a nosedive for me. But as far as like everything else, like just running around the level uh, swinging your sword, uh, I think it, it it holds up pretty well because it's not you know it doesn't want you to be super accurate, um, you know. And, and whenever you do swing your sword, it's it's a fairly large sword, so you know you've got some distance. You don't have to run up in front of people's faces uh, unless you're just wanting to like you know throw your arm at people. Uh, but still, uh, it's uh, it, you know there's enough room there for you to run around and have a good time and and kind of avoid that PlayStation jankiness mm-hmm. that is constantly threatening especially with the camera and the jumping. But otherwise, it's still really enjoyable. Uh, one of the things that, that I think helps this, despite some of that PlayStation jankiness, is you don't have, uh, you know, you have a life bar 
it's it's numeric. I mean, it shows up on the screen as a big block, but it's you can see the damage you're taking, and you have easily found health upgrades that give you kind of full bars every time you run out of bars, and there's health upgrade fills in every level. I mean, it's it's fairly easy to find some ways to refill your life as much as you need to in the level. I mean, you know, if yeah. you were just running into stuff, things do damage to you. But like you said, it's kind of a sloppy action game. So and there, there are definitely parts of the game where I just ran around swinging my sword like a crazy person. And that's okay. Like, that still works as a tactic. Uh, it made it all right. Uh, but also, the levels themselves are fairly short. Um, yeah. Some of them are, are involved with having to go back and forth and finding, you know, key items or whatever to unlock the next section. But they're they're fairly small, self-contained levels. The game allows you to save at the end of any level, so you can save your progress fairly often. Uh, you know, if you have to replay a level, it, sometimes, sure, you don't want to, but it's not like you're going to lose an hour of your life to that. You've lost 10 minutes at most, and that's if you got through the whole level uh, to, before you had to die. And and when you do continue, you've got all your health, you've got everything else you need. Uh, when you reload, I mean, you have everything else you need uh, to, you know, give another full crack at it. You're not going to get stuck with, oh, yeah, I get to continue, but I have you know, half a health bar and X, Y, Z. Nope, you've saved. You get whatever you have when you saved. You're good to go there. Um, you start the game with just a sword, and you find a shield pretty quickly in the first, like, kind of training area. Uh, the buttons on the PlayStation for this game, there's a regular attack button with X. The square button does your special attack, which changes depending on which item you have. With your sword, it's a charge attack. You hold it up in the air, you see it wave around, and, like, you know, it, it like you can see it powering up, and then once it is powered up, you do this, like, giant swirl Oh, giant swirl attack that uh, that does a lot of damage to whatever you do hit, but it does take a little while to charge up. Uh, you have a jump button with circle, which we will complain about probably excessively, and you have a shield button that lets you walk in front of you. You know, the shield goes in front of you, but it kind of blocks from every angle. It does it stops pretty much every attack in the game if you need it to. However, your shield at the very top of the screen has a percentage, and as you you know are blocking things with your shield, you can see the percentage go down. When it runs out, the shield is exp- is destroyed, and you got to go find more shields. Thankfully, they are fairly readily available, and there are ways to earn an indestructible shield, which is huge, uh, and that, that's another part I really like about this game. Each of the levels, because they're so small, as you are fighting through the level and taking out zombies or whatever the enemies are, this little meter at the top that looks like a cup fills up till it gets to 100%. And then it says, like, you can find the chalice. Hidden in every level is one of these magical chalices that you can only grab once you've filled up the 100% of it by killing enemies in the level. Sometimes that requires you to find hidden areas full of enemies or, you know, do a little exploring. But still, you do it, it's pretty easy in every level. That gives you the ability to go after the level you're in to, a, like, a separate area called the Hall of Heroes where you can earn things like a shield that doesn't take damage or uh, one of the early replacement weapons you find is a club and that's pretty nice because it allows you to smash rocks which opens up doorways for you it's, it's a good useful tool but it takes a lot of damage as you use it so uh, they will run out pretty quickly you get a, a giant hammer that serves that same purpose but it never runs out of power and that's only mm-hmm. found by finding those chalices by killing all the enemies in every level and going to the hall of heroes to get those i like that too i like when you get uh, you know, I like when you get a lot of tools and things, but to find, you know, permanent versions of those tools, if they're ablative is wonderful. So I really, I really did like that in this game as well. And, and I, I love the hall of heroes just because of, you know, the characters that, that give you these weapons mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned in the, in the story, you know, that, that he is uh, really considered not a hero because, you know, he ran in at first, he was supposed to be this big hero, but he took an arrow immediately and he was like the first one to die. Um, and so like when he's going around to these different characters, trying to get these different weapons, a lot of them just really talk shit to him. <laughs> and like, it's, it's a really well-written and well, well voice acted game. Um, you know, everyone is, is very, uh, British basically, <laughs> as far mm-hmm. as like the voices go, uh, it, it's a very fun game to listen to, uh, especially in this hall of heroes. Like I know the, the girl or the woman that gives you the spear is kind of this African warrior. And uh, she isn't talking down on you, but she's always hitting on you. And uh, Sir Daniel doesn't like that at all. Even without his mouthpiece, he's just like, oh, no. It's just <laughs> it's just this. the whole game, I, I think, is, is actually pretty funny. But yeah, being able to find the chalice and, and things like that in, in the levels is, is it kept it from just being another Crash Bandicoot where you're just going from the, the beginning of the level to the end and, and just doing it all over again. Uh, because some of those things actually like the little side quests to get the, the chalice is actually pretty cool. Like finding the notes for the skeleton playing the the piano uh, and things like that. Like it's, it's kind of fun just to that. It's got that stuff in there. So you can actually get to the Hall of heroes and, and get these upgrades. It actually makes the game play pretty differently, especially when you get the bow, mm. which 
isn't great, but still it's, it's pretty fun to use. Yeah. And my only trouble with, with weapons that have, uh, there are some, your, your range ones that have ammunition to them is the enemies don't drop a damn thing in this game. Uh, it's, you know, you're used to playing through and, and refilling and, and getting little drops here and there. Uh, they're not going to give you anything. Uh, you, you have to find, uh, I guess what resembles the, the shop in this game and, and you have to buy all of your ammunition there. Well, I, that is, I didn't mind that because those shops, which are gargoyle heads you talk to and they basically come up mm-hmm. and you can buy extra throwing knives or, or arrows or whatever you need. Uh, they, they're pretty frequent. Well, and, and if you if there's a boss battle coming up in some levels, uh, they normally make those things accessible right before the boss. So you're not going to get screwed because you, you know, used all your arrows because you're you like using them, and you get to a boss where you need them. Uh, because, for example, the first first real boss you run into is the stained glass demon of some sort in a, in a church, like three levels in, and the mm-hmm. only way to hurt him is with a ranged weapon, because he flies around the room and throws glass and stuff at you, but eventually he, like, charges up and he throws this heart out of the front of his body on top of him, <laughs> and you can't hit that with your sword. You've got to have a ranged weapon. So yeah. the the shop to get more of those is right there, but if you have been using a lot of arrows, if you have not been exploring the levels and collecting treasure to get gold to buy those things, then, yeah, you, you may hurt yourself, but, again, uh, your last save should be right before you start that level. So for the most part, you're not losing a whole lot of ground if you did have to go back and and find a way to get more arrows. mentioned the side quests uh one of the early kind of side quests you can do to to get to those chalices is the anthills section uh there's there's uh, several pieces to this you have to find a, a symbol to summon witches and then the witch gives you a quest and she shrinks you down to an ant and you have to roam through these little anthills to get her magical amber she needs while saving these little fairies again all this makes a lot of sense in the game it doesn't make any sense right now when i'm saying it but but that's the kind of section that again it's in another level the level itself is a complete level but this side little side quest is in there is just different enough and and it kind of is the only time in the game that i want to go through little tunnels like that but but it works because it's an anthill it makes sense you're going through these tiny little tunnels that are hard to figure out but but i like having those little side quests in there you don't need to do it you could skip it but it's really cool that it's in there I think a lot of the levels, like even just the regular levels, are are really well done. Like mm-hmm. the um, uh, the one with the the village with the possessed uh, townsfolk, and like the grannies that run around and try to, you know, <laughs> they're trying to like kill you, and they're laughing or whatever, or seeing this weird thing. It's it's just a uh, like all the levels are pretty well done, uh, except until uh, they get into to the point where they decide that it wants to be a platform game. Oh, and it's, it's I, not, <laughs> that, that was it's the not first time Billy spoke up. Yeah, for like when we were, like you know, for the chat usually, uh, we we will usually talk about these games, and that was, that was like the first thing <laughs> Billy said about it. It's like, yep, I'm, yep, yep. Uh, it, it happens. I mean, it happens so often, though, especially with these games. Uh, it, it's 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 good until and the jumping's okay, but when they start being a little more demanding. Like when you need to start sticking some jumps, oh boy, it falls apart. Because this the jump in this game, I don't know if it's, you know, it's a bad jump when I don't really know how to put it into words what makes it so bad. It, it's heavy but floaty at the same time. I, I have no, I have no understanding. It's just mechanic. that that PlayStation early yes. place that nobody knew how to make physics for a character unless you were Super Mario Brothers, you know, and Super it, Mario sixty four. Yes. And it doesn't, it doesn't move. It's, it's just like, you know, it doesn't move quite as quick as you think it will. And and there's just a lot of mistiming. There's a lot of under jumping, a lot of over jumping. It's, it's, it's a mess altogether. Yeah. And it doesn't help that you don't really have, you, 
you don't really have control over the camera like you want. Mm-hmm. Like you, you have control. You can use like the bumpers uh, to move the camera left or right. Mm-hmm. And that's really about it. But it, there are definitely times where it just seems like you can't line it up right. It's, there's just no good look to what you're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, there's one level that's like a ship. And there, the, there's uh, platforms moving up and down inside, you know, w- when you're moving across the ship. And I jumped to my death several times doing that just because I couldn't get a decent angle. Because not only are, you know, you're fighting with uh, your character trying to line it up, but also the platforms are going up and down as well. So it's just this, this really weird depth depth thing that seemed to only really happen on the PlayStation. I don't know if it's because of the technology or just because <laughs> they didn't know how to make <laughs> this stuff work. But it was just one of those things. It's like, yep, that that is totally a PlayStation game. This is totally just exactly what I had to deal with with just about every game except mm. Crash Bandicoot um, for, for jumping around uh, 3D platforms like this. Well, and like you just mentioned, you fell to your death. That's th- This game is pretty lenient with damage until it comes to jumping and if you mm-hmm. make it miss a jump then it's you, you lose a whole life bar and in however many you know life refills you have in your bar and early on that's one or two maybe three uh you yeah. that's all you got that's your number of attempts before you have to go back and reload the level and start over again uh there, there's an early level i want to say it's maybe the third or fourth level where the very beginning of the level you walk across this bridge part of the bridge breaks and there are these coffins floating in a little river underneath you so you can jump off the bridge, land on a coffin, and it takes you to a little secret area. It's, it's, I mean, it's obvious, and it's just got some treasure in it, and it's kind of there to show you how to do it. Uh, yeah, I'm not bad at this game, but I died on that several times just mm-hmm. because that jump is weird. If you, if you, it's hard to tell where it's going to land, and then once you're leaving that, that moving coffin to jump to the right place, if you don't jump right at the edge of it, it it's not a long jump. So you, you, you either miss... If you're not at the very edge, you'll either miss the platform you're aiming to, or you'll run right off the side of the coffin because you're trying yeah. to line it up. And and again, um, did did I did not play this, and this is a, a fault of me. I did not play this with the analog sticks. I don't know if you guys use the analog sticks because this was this came out during the era where you didn't have to have them to play a game. It would work with the standard PlayStation Ooh. controller. Mm-hmm. Uh, so without the analog sticks, this game is incredibly hard to aim and log in. You know, aim those jumps in as you need to because it's not a it's not a behind the the character game where like it's not tank controls that's what i'm trying to say it's not tank mm-hmm. controls it's a it's a behind the character game where you can rotate the camera kind of with the bumpers but if you're in any narrow area which this is when you're on that that moving coffin you're at the mercy of the game where they want to put your camera how you want to line up and trying to tap on the directional pad i ran off the side of that coffin like four or five times <laughs> but the jumping in this game is my biggest and really my only major complaint is the jumping i mean there's some parts where it's it's wonky and it is a sloppy combat but in a way that's fun like i i don't feel like it it's a penalty that it's sloppy in fact it made it so i could run around like a madman and swing my weapons around but but the jumping on its own it's like this is borderline unforgivable maybe with analog sticks that would have been a little easier to line up jumps but my problem with the length of the jump wouldn't change yeah uh one of the things i i I don't think it's notable, but I think they at least look cool, is the game's bosses uh, all have a kind of a neat horror and, and kind of goofy, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to know what else you'd call it, like Nightmare Before Christmas kind of aesthetic to them. But yeah. they have the same problem that I think a lot of the early 3D bosses have, which is if you just run around a bunch and avoid where their attack <laughs> is, it becomes very obvious what you need to do to hurt them. So I don't think any of them are uh, are a notable boss as far as like, there's nothing that stands out like man what a great boss what a, what an amazing boss level it was but they're all they're all fine like, like there's nothing nothing too good or too bad about them i'm glad they're there uh, but but i didn't see anything super notable about any of the bosses in this game uh no really i mean just besides you know how they look i mean you got the giant pumpkin uh in that one level that you're fighting uh and and you know like you mentioned the uh stained glass demon or whatever it was mm-hmm. uh and, and later on, there's like a you know some other stuff you fight like a dragon, but there's there besides the way they look, yeah, there's really not too much uh, that that's gonna keep you from from killing them by by just doing what your regular hack and slashing that you've been doing the rest of the game. Uh, but but you know besides the the um, stained glass one where it does you have to have you know has its heart that you have to get to. Um, but generally, most of them are just you know it, it's very obvious what you need to do. Uh, there's also um, you know, I don't think we really mentioned it with the levels, but there's a you know, a few puzzles here and there that you really need to get through. And uh, some of those can be pretty cryptic. 
if you don't know what you're doing. I remember I got stuck on several of those when I was a kid. Uh, so I don't know if either of you came across any of those, but, uh, you know, if you, if you didn't have a guide back then, uh, some of that stuff was, was not very straightforward as, as to how to get through it. I didn't have too many problems. I thought that the, the explanations when you were at a puzzle made it, uh, a little more clear, but you know, I I did play this. I don't want to say I was a kid when this came out, I was (laughs) in my twenties. So uh, maybe I would have had a much more larger problem if I was younger, but, uh, but I still think it was a neat. It just had some a neat. We've already kind of mentioned like the the characters you meet and the the way the game is written. The fact that the whole game has that that you know spooky yet cartoony feel to it. Mm-hmm. it it's a it's a great example of a game where you know on paper if you just explain the game and and the mechanics of the game without any of the flair, you're like, yep, it's every 3D game. But yeah. the 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 extra bits added to this make it so i wanted to continue i wanted to see every level i mean yeah there's uh, at the beginning you're like man i've gone through a lot of graveyards i hope it changes up but then it does there's a whole bunch of different levels there's fields Mm -hmm. and the pumpkin patch and you know you mentioned that there's some uh, some puzzle areas later like there's a a whole garden that's all puzzles and stuff like it's it's got some really neat design to this game that wants you to keep playing uh but but at the same time it's it's not doing anything groundbreaking in the gameplay department, which, you know, I think a lot of games try too hard to do that and they don't care as much about the the aesthetic mm-hmm. being something you want to play through. Uh, yeah. You know, I mentioned the Blasto and, and some of those other games earlier. A lot of those had, uh, Blasto didn't have a lot of neat game-breaking ideas, but you could tell what they were aiming for, I guess, and none of it was to make the game fun. This is a lot of making the game fun. Yeah, and, and that's exactly, for me, what this game has going for it. I mean, if you, because, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, in a way, it's it's just about every other three D early PlayStation game of this type. Uh, and you know, if it did not have this setting to it, and it didn't have the little details and 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 all that to it, I, I wouldn't give it the time of day. I mean, this game for me just it, it gets by exclusively on just the setting and just just its charm overall. And that's the same with me. Uh, I mean, uh, as far as games trying to do anything you know, different. I, I think back then on the PlayStation, people were just excited enough that they could make a game like this. Uh, so they weren't, you know, trying anything too crazy, uh, you know, just being able to, to run around in a, a 3D area and, and kill things was pretty new and amazing mm-hmm. for, for what it was. And then you add in that whole Halloween aesthetic on top of it with, with all these great characters, great voice acting, uh, even mm-hmm. the music's pretty good uh, throughout. Uh, it, it's hard to it, it was hard to ignore uh, for me anyway, just because uh, I, I love anything, like I said, with the Halloween stuff going on and, and these kind of this dark humor and just the whole thing throughout. Uh, I, I absolutely loved it. And even coming back to it today, I, I really enjoyed it. And I can't wait to see what they really do with that remaster, because that looks like I, I want to see if they can remove a lot of that jankiness. And if they do, then I think we've got we've got kind of a, a really great game going on. Oh, that'd be wonderful uh, to, to do because it looks great. It, it looks and sounds uh, fantastic, and yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what this game, uh, you know, in this setting and all that, what it would would be like with kind of a, a modern control scheme and you know a little little better camera control, maybe fix fix. The, I can't imagine they'll leave the jump as it is that's the most damning part of the game probably the only damning part of the game is that jumps i can't imagine that that won't be won't be told around with a little bit but yeah this is uh i i dare say i'm looking forward more to this than when the the crash or the spyro reboots rolled around yeah this is uh yes i i totally am uh I, you know i love those games and it was fun to see what they did with them but yeah what they're whatever they do with this remaster if they fix all that stuff I am totally down for it. You know, the, mm-hmm. the thing that's going to suck is even if they fix all that stuff, people's going to play it without having played the old one in a very long time since they first played it. And they're going to be like, yeah, it's just the same game. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, <laughs> you need to go. <laughs> you need to play this fucking game again and, and see what it was like. Because the first <laughs> time I picked up that controller and, and he started running around, I was like, oh, my God, this thing is twitchy as fuck. He is just mm-hmm. going everywhere. The camera's jittering. It reminds you exactly what PlayStation games were. All right, I'm glad <laughs> I've got. I know we're wrapping it up, but the damn, it is an early part where you're walking, you're trying to get up this hill, and there are boulders coming down. 
and, and you're trying to dodge these boulders. Oh, it's like the second yeah. level, right? It is one of the rare instances in the history of video games where I was getting a little woozy while I was playing it. It the screen is like it's like someone has got hold of your TV and is just shaking the hell out of it. That's just a lot of the camera angles in that game were like that when it just couldn't when it's trying to like it it doesn't quite know which way you're going but it's trying to go another way i i definitely had that where you were just getting that kind of swimmy feeling and you couldn't really control it in some of those areas so you just kind of had to sit back and take it that's right well we've talked about the remake that's coming up and i i mean there's been a little bit of footage that i've been able to find on it uh it does look like they are just remaking the game. They aren't reimagining the game. I was concerned that maybe it would become like God of War, but you're this skeleton guy. But thankfully, no, mm-hmm. it still looks like it plays like this. It The camera looks smoother. The jump did not look offensive, but it was watching someone <laughs> else play the game. We'll see when it actually comes out. Uh, that should be out October 25th, I believe, of this month, and it's well worth checking out. Uh, there was a sequel to this game that came out a couple years after the original called Medieval 2, cleverly. Uh, I did have that. I don't remember anything about it because I think it was exactly like this game, uh, but I'm sure it had a few tweaks here and there. Uh, not one that, that I have a whole lot to say about, but they did do that. And then they put out a reimagining, not reimagining, but another remake of this on the PSP in 1995. So the one notable thing I want to say about the studio that made this. So this was uh, from uh, Sony Computer Entertainment Europe, specifically the Cambridge office. They didn't do a lot that's notable other than Medieval and all the Medieval sequels. Uh, they were closed several years ago, so I, I assume it's some other Sony in- internal division that's doing this remaster. But the PS2 games, the only two PS2 games this company put out were Primal and Ghost Hunters, which are two of my favorite PS2 titles, but they're <laughs> super wonky, but I love them and I would love to cover I would love to cover Ghost Hunters some Halloween coming up because they have <sighs> they have this they take some of the complaints, not complaints, some of the things that make this game interesting control wise and they throw it on the ps2 and it it has some (laughs) some kind of weird 3d control to it uh for ps2 by that time they had kind of you know mastered it ratchet and clank and those games really have the the 3d control down and these didn't quite have it they did they they tried to do something in between that and and like a resident evil 4 and it's a weird mesh but uh, i really like those games they have kind of some neat little tweaks so that that's the only things the studio did before uh for shutting down and and again i don't know who's doing the remaster but regardless what i've seen of it looks like they have the same the same ideas behind it they obviously love the original game and and are trying to to recreate that with some of the things we've probably complained about out of it but even so even if they weren't if you can if you can find this if you have a ps3 sitting around you can grab it i think i got this for four dollars on the playstation network well worth your time it's it's got some neat you know the the actual atmosphere and and ambiance of the whole game is worth the entire trip on its own Mm -hmm. So that's our thoughts on Medieval, the original. Uh, we're all looking forward to the the remake that's coming out in a couple weeks, but uh, still, the original still holds up. It's got some wonkiness, but like most PlayStation 1-era games, that's probably the, the standard. So, uh, Actually, the standard's probably not holding up, so it's a treat that it does hold up. Uh, <laughs> our, next, our next bonus show will be on the game Ghoul School for the Nintendo, and our next full episode, which will be right before Halloween week, uh, will be on Silent Hill, which is a game we've been trying to cover for five years, and, and we're finally going to do it. I'm very excited. Uh, also don't forget that every sunday for this month we're finishing out our uh, fantasy star playthrough uh, only on the patreon page so along with those bonus shows like ghoul school next week you're going to have the rest of the playthrough of fantasy star for this month and and if you guys enjoy that we're going to keep doing it but if not hey we'll still do the bonus shows and the regular show Uh, but since this is a regular show i'm betting we have some listener mail we do and since this is the spoopiest month of the year Mm -hmm. uh yeah I would like to uh, let everyone know that we have actually redesigned the uh, contact form on Retrovania.net to make it extra scary. And uh, so go there if you dare and send us a message. Uh, You know, I'm not going to tell you what's actually on that contact form, but if you go to Retrovania.net, scroll all the way down, try to try to be sitting down because it might just be a little bit too scary. 
for you to fill out that contact form and send in. Uh, but this week, before we actually get started, I wanted to send out a, a shout out to, I, I forget who it was. It was the guy that thought we were all Southern and was uh, doing a thing about, um, you know, if, if there was a sheets on the right or a Bojangles on the other. Turns out our very own Jeremy P actually had that happen almost. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. The, the other Virginia. week. I was in West Virginia, and there was a Waffle House. Uh, there was Sheets, but there was no Bojangles. There was a Popeyes, uh, and I was not hungover, hey, but I had to make that thing. decision anyway. So I just got something from all three, and I felt really good about myself. Yeah, so that's apparently a real thing. Uh, anyway, we also had our um, – because Billy did a shout-out to Waffle House. We had Logan on our Facebook page. Uh, he also mentioned – he said, I got to say, Waffle House is pretty amazing. And I think he's Canadian. I could be wrong. So maybe that's not, not anything up there that, that they get. Uh, if you're not Canadian, I apologize, Logan, for no, some he, reason. He I is. He is at least, uh, at least I send mail to Canada. So I believe, okay. <laughs> I believe right. he is Canadian. He's keeping a Canadian address at least. Yes. Well, I'm glad you finally got to experience Waffle House. And keeping it going with that, we did get one thing coming in uh, from Pastor Tom. I really hope he's a pastor. Uh, and he says, in all caps, did someone mention Bojangles? Screw a gas station. If you have a Bojangles in front of you, then you go to Bojangles. The real question is, did any of you know that the steak biscuit with a side of gravy to pour on it is actually the superior menu item? It may not be that well known, but I can assure you that it has magical rejuvenating qualities if you drink way too much Jack and Coke the night before. And if we're what talking kind of pastor is this? <laughs> I know. The, the best kind of Southern pastor. <laughs> And if we're talking about Waffle House, I'd like to give a shout out to their fried pork chops, which are the worst oh. things I've ever eaten, but I can't stop <laughs> eating them. Someone please send help. I don't. <laughs> They're a health hazard. They, they certainly are. Uh, it's one of the menu items that you eat and, and you can feel, uh, you can almost see the hourglass of your life moving. You see the sands dropping a little bit quicker just for a little bit there. Uh, yeah, it's also it's it's a fine menu item. Take uh, great offense though to everybody knows that Bojangles is built on the damn the Cajun fillet biscuit, and I will I will fight for that biscuit till the very end. Best chicken biscuit going. I still say get a piece of cheese on top of it. Uh, I, I would disagree with the cheese. I also I did not know I could get gravy to put on the side of the country steak biscuit, which is the superior menu item. Uh, but I should have known that because you can get it for their potatoes. So I'm sure I should have gotten the gravy on it. Uh, gravy's a good side with everything, regardless of mm. what kind of sandwich you get. So I'm going to mm. do that next time uh, that I have to go to the courthouse next to the Bojangles that I frequent. <laughs> How often are you going to this courthouse? Monthly. But I don't want to talk about that right now. Let's, let's have another question. <laughs> Apparently, uh, the Retrovaniacs listeners are the healthiest of, of all <laughs> That's right. podcast listeners. Anyway, getting back on the subject of video games, Percival, such a fancy name, Percival, uh, writes in to say, just writing in to say, hey, to my second favorite gaming podcast. And if you answer my question, you may just end up being my favoritist. My question is, do you have a favorite retro game that never had a sequel? For me, it would have been a little-known Super NES action RPG called Spike McFang. Hey, there's, there's a guy that's played like Spike McFang that I absolutely loved as a kid, but sadly never received a sequel, probably because no one else ever played it. I did. So what say you, Retrovaniacs? Any most wanted retro sequels that you never got? <sighs> that's tough because a lot of games they've thrown sequels out on years and years later to take advantage of a name for example uh that that are not as good as the original so if the question is what games have sequels that are terrible uh then i probably would have a much faster answer i, I mean there are plenty of nintendo games that i absolutely love that probably aren't that good if i played them again now new or, or games that would would kind of not need sequels or or that, again they got them much later for PlayStation, I would have to say something like Skull Monkeys, a game that I really, really liked. It's different. Yes, there are other games in that universe, but not that were really like Skull Monkeys. Skull Monkeys is just a good... We covered it probably four years ago. Just a solid 2D platformer that looks like it's made out of clay, and it, it was awesome. And then the games they put out after that, the same company that had the same visual aesthetic, were not the same kind of game. They were not a sequel to Skull Monkeys. They were not good. Uh, so that, that's that's the closest I can think of. I'm sure there's a million games I can think of that I, I'm not thinking of that I wanted sequels to, but all I keep thinking of are games with bad sequels, <laughs> and that's not the question. I guess if I had to pick one, it's going to be General Chaos. 
And I what the hell? I'm sad I had to go there. But could you imagine a sequel to General Chaos? Like they they could have actually like made that into a really fun tactical co-op kind of thing. And uh, we could have done that for the podcast. I think it would have been an amazing revival of that game. Uh, but like Jeremy, I think uh, I, I, also, I also have just a bunch of bad sequels that I wanted for a long time. And they eventually came out and <laughs> I didn't want them anymore. Uh, the one that comes to mind the most is uh, for the longest time, I wanted a sequel to Flashback. And then I got a sequel to Flashback. And I didn't want that anymore because it was a terrible, terrible sequel. Because they tried to try to do this weird third person 3d kind of thing on the playstation i think it was on pc as well that was terrible um yeah just just a lot of stuff that that eventually did get a sequel and and, and regret having a sequel i think that's one of those uh, kind of double-edged swords mm-hmm. you know you, you might play something you really enjoy and you know not get a sequel but maybe it's better off you didn't get one it, it, it may be but you know i i guess I'm going to say it did not get an official sequel, but it was in the talks uh, and we even reviewed it was that super Mario RPG. And, and I know that at supposedly the paper Mario series uh, is a, kind of the spiritual successor, but I had always wanted just a proper, you know, part two to that, you know, maybe following the same storyline, at least bringing in the same characters and, and in the same style. And, and that's a game that I had always wanted and and got teased with but it, it was never to be um i guess the closest thing nowadays are maybe those uh, the superstar saga the mario and luigi games uh which are always excellent uh and another game is damn it for the 64 i i love this game i i don't know anyone else that does and of course the, the series itself is still going but did either of you play pokemon snap yeah yeah pokemon snap was great it was great but the trouble with Pokemon Snap is you could finish it quickly. And I was always left wanting for more. And for a while, I still swear to this day in a gaming magazine, I saw something about Pokemon Snap 2, which of course never happened. But I swear I saw it to this very day. I, and, and, and that's one that I would love. Still would. Still would right now. You know, with, with Pokemon still being big. In the gaming world, I'd still love for him to roll that one out. But otherwise, I just sat here as soon as you read the question, thinking of games I want sequels to, and then remembering, uh, yes, they, it did get its own very, very disappointing sequel. What? And my answer up until maybe a month ago would have been Deadly Premonition. But now we're all going to get that sequel, and I promise you, yeah. I'm, making a, I'm making a call today. No one's going to like it, but I'm going to buy it anyway. I'm very excited. I'll be buying it. I've, I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready for it. I, I've played that first one to death. I was going to get it on the Switch again. They're asking too damn much, though, for it right now. My only memory with that game was just driving. <laughs> That's pretty much the memory you're going to have, driving and, and driving a pro lady around with a pot. That's it. Yeah, But it's a great game. Can't driving. wait for the sequel. That, that's what I'm saying. Is the first game is, was, was such a, like a cult classic. In, in in a way that like at first people were playing it because it was bad and then you kind of play it enough because it's bad and you realize wait a minute underneath that this story is completely insane and and all these little tweaks are completely nuts and i don't understand why you'd build this game but then you wanted to finish it and you end up loving it so the sequel is going to end up being too close to a real game and it's going it's going to disappoint everybody you know this is i think deadly premonition is the only heavily jeremy p backed game that i agree on him with yeah, I, I've got his back on this one. Well, I mean that, and uh, and Silent Debuggers. I mean, you're you are a huge Silent Debuggers fan. <sighs> Moving on, next question. <laughs> next question comes from Ben Brady, and uh, he writes in to say, "Hey guys, it's it's me again, Ben, the Mansion of the Hidden Souls and Tiger Electronics Retro." Hey, hey Ben, I've just purchased an Atari Lynx with California games. Oh. Have any of you had any experience with this Ooh. handheld? And if so, can you recommend any games? Looking forward to the next show, Ben. Unfortunately, my answer is a, a, a short and sweet no. We even sold them. And I, I, other than, what was it, the Slime World one? Like some guy's adventures in Slime Land or something. I never played any games on it. It was a, a huge handheld system, physically huge, not sales-wise huge. And, uh, and so I would rather have played the Game Boy or I had a Game Gear, which was also kind of a, a sad little system. But the Lynx was, was unintelligible <laughs> by the time I was at a, at a store that sold it. Yeah, and it's it's 
<laughs> I, I hate to not be helpful at all. It's going to be a no for me too. I had a, uh, you know, I had a Game Boy and and a Game Gear, and and I already was hardly playing the Game Gear. So there, I mean, there was no way at the time. My folks are picking this links up for me. And to be honest with you, I think I only saw it in stores like maybe two different occasions. Um, and, and I just remember just the smallest selection of games was there for it. Maybe three or four games. So, no, it, it is never one I picked up. I, I got to say, <laughs> it's one of those things I forgot even existed until it was just now brought up. I, I played it once at a flea market. Uh, I believe I was playing a Batman game on it and I dropped the, the links and I think I broke it, but I put it back up on the counter and gave it to the person before maybe they could figure out that I broke it. But that Batman game I played for maybe like three minutes was, was seemed okay, but that thing was, yeah, I, I kind of forgot that it was that big. I saw it in a, a secondhand store not too long ago and uh, the the original version of it, not the, cause you got the long skinny skateboard version of it. That was the first generation. And then you've got the, the fat buddy that you got in the second generation. And I'm not <laughs> sure which one model. I prefer, but uh, I, I believe the one I broke was the original first generation. And uh, I've always kind of wanted one, but I never really saw any games for it that besides that slime world, I, I remember seeing pictures of it in, in fucking game fan. I was like, man, everything's huge on that. The characters are big. Cause that's that was a thing that was that drew, drew people's attention back then was how big your game characters could be. Mm-hmm. Well, so I guess the answer is what, no matter what you're playing on there, be careful. Cause it's easily broken. I, you know, you'd think it wouldn't be, I don't, like I said, I don't know if I broke it or not, but like when it hit the ground, it went off. And so I just kind of picked it back up and, you know, finangled with it and probably broke that. <laughs> that dude getting didn't get that fifty bucks for that that links uh, anytime soon. Perfect crime. Yep. Uh, anyway, our final question comes in from Lionel, and uh, he writes in, uh, and this one's for Billy, hey. uh, who has repeatedly made clear how much he loves Mario Kart. So the question is. Yes. Which- which one? The series has been fairly standardized ever since the Wii era, with few changes to the gameplay or graphical aesthetics since then, but the first few games were quite different and, in my opinion, more interesting. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get much love any My favorite is Super, Surf- Super Circuit. Kids today will never understand how long we waited for a portable Mario Kart and the thrill of finally getting it back in 2001. The aesthetics and polish of Mario Kart 64 with the gameplay of the Super NES original, plus the greatest tracks in any Mario Kart game, like Cheeseland, and it was a magical blend. Well, yeah, and each one of the old Mario Kart, and I agree, after the Wii, they they kind of, I mean, Mario Kart 8 is wonderful. Uh, it's probably the best, you know, all-around package as far as, you know, the, the drivers and the tracks and all that, but it's not my favorite. My favorite is the GameCube one, Double Dash, and Double Dash is when they really, tried to do several different things. You each character had their own uh, like special item that was exclusive to them. And it was two drivers per cart, uh, which, which made for a lot of fun Two players. Uh, you could, you compete against each other or you, you work together on there. Um, and it just, and I think double dash is when you had to really start factoring in things like weight of, you know, not just the cart, but your driver and, and all that, and that started to play a bigger part. And I remember Double Dash being the first game where the uh, you know the the drift became almost a a must. You know, in the early game, you could drift for a while, but this was the like the first time where you really start hearing a lot about it, and and it just it was really a clear advantage if you knew how to drift on there. Um, Double Dash, yeah, definitely. And, and I do hope for the next Mario Kart game. They they. Just, you know, get a little crazy. Try something new. As much as I like Mario Kart 8, everything since, I do agree, everything since the Wii has kind of just been been a little cookie cutter. So I would love to see them try something else. But but for me, uh, it, it's Double Dash. Easy. I know it wasn't directed at me, but I would have to say, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Mario Kart 8 has been the one I've liked the most anytime recently. But you know what I miss is a good battle mode, and I don't think there any of them have been good <laughs> since the Super Nintendo. Uh, the, the Super Nintendo battle modes were wonderful because you got yes. those little specific levels, like that one that looks like Legos. That was great. And, 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 they, and they were smaller. 
because they, they as the battle mode track should be it's a lot more frantic when you when you're on that small track yeah my son wanted to play on eight and we put battle mode on because he was like i want to try battle mode and it was the least fun i've ever had i was I it the wii version it. or was it the uh the wii u version or was it the switch the wii u version but i figure it's got to be the same right as far as just you're just playing the regular tracks but you can go in both directions it was not no, fun. switch switch puts in a legitimate yeah battle mode well then uh, i should go purchase that immediately because the, the one on the wii u is some, not good. yeah you're saying, he'll love it it's got some actual battle mode tracks on there yeah the, the, it was bewildering that they made battle mode just on the regular tracks i mean i would i remember just cruising around just looking for somebody but uh yeah i mean it's it's that's one of the big improvements on the uh, the switch version of it. Uh, it it's well worth it for that alone if you are a huge you know battle mode fan well, it's the only thing I can say I'm good at because racing is not it. I guess for me, I, I have the most nostalgia for the original Mario Kart just because I remember standing in Walmart and playing that uh, that demo kiosk you know, that they had with the, the Super Nintendo and the TV and all that stuff hooked up. And uh, that was I, I remember just being blown away by that. You know, uh, the thing about the original is it still still holds up really well. Yeah, I was playing it the other day, and it's still pretty fun. Uh, you know, even with Mode 7, as much as I've grown to just not enjoy that over the years, uh, they did a really good job in, in that game of just of being a Mode 7 game and, and making it feel like you're actually on a track and you're not just floating around or something like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think uh, that and, and maybe uh, Mario Kart 64. Uh, of course, I love the, the newer one, you know, Mario Kart 8. Like that's, that is kind of the, the standard as far as Mario Kart games go with me. But uh, the old ones, I, I think uh, Mario Kart 64 uh, was uh, was really huge for me because I, mm. I totally just remember playing that any time I could. Yeah. And uh, any anyone that could sit down and, and play it, you know, it was always just get everyone together, four players, split screen, sit mm. down just, and try to everyone just beat everyone's ass and scream at everyone. And, you know, that's still kind of what happens today in Mario Kart. Yeah. 8. You just don't get to be in the same room, at yeah. least for me. Um, but yeah, I, I totally, that was one of those, those games that I just, I, I always fondly remember. Yeah. As far I mean, as the goes. And that's the thing about Mar the Mario Kart series altogether. Yeah. Almost everyone, uh, you know, has a different favorite one and valid reasons for it. And each one of them hold up. I mean, there, I dare say there is not a bad Mario Kart. Uh, that's just, I, it's one of those series I think Nintendo has always taken very good care of, been very protective over not rushing out, uh, you know, like a, a shit Mario Kart. I, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but like I, with Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U, when we used to get together and, and do a lot of these, you know, all of our friends and stuff play online. Mm -hmm. And like, I told her, I was like, you know, we're going to play Mario Kart tonight. And she's like, why? That game's for children shit and then we got we all got on there and she could not believe what happened yeah you put the kids to bed you have to i it was just murderous it was one of the most violent things i think she's ever witnessed <laughs> and to, to this day she still reminds me of she's like that affected me it's like you don't you don't people just don't act like that playing a game that like that for children i was like you doing mario kart bitch that's what happened uh, i was especially <laughs> cruel during those Mario Kart gatherings, and I offer no apologies. I think everyone was cruel. I think one, <laughs> there was one one of our friends, like his his girlfriend, decided to play too, and like she lasted ten minutes and never played again. <laughs> she may have not ever played Mario Kart again for the rest of her life. But yeah, I mean that's just what it comes down to. That it's you know it is just some fucking crazy shit when you get some people together that know how to play Mario Kart. So if you have a question for us, please send it to our amazing question form on Retrovania.net, or you can always find us on any social media at Retrovania.net. And uh, as this is Halloween 2019, next two episodes, like I mentioned earlier, Ghoul School for the Nintendo will be our next bonus show, and Silent Hill, finally, in two weeks. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>